April 19, 1897, as an eager crowd gathered in the Grand Hall of the Geographical Society of Paris to meet the woman who once belonged to Charleston's most elite satanic sect, they were instead met by a giddy Frenchman who wrote under the name Leo Taxel. Diana Vaughn, he explained with pride, had been his creation all along. Taxel, once notorious for his anti-clerical writings that mocked the church, had inexplicably converted to Catholicism 12 years earlier. Since that time, he had taken up writing and publishing popular exposés on the alleged satanic practices of the Freemasons. This included serving as the public representative for Diana Vaughn and drawing Charleston into one of the most elaborate hoaxes ever perpetrated. Welcome. This is the second installment in the four-part series titled The Devil You Know, A Modern History of Satanic Panic in South Carolina. Written and recorded by me, Dustin Waters, special to the Charleston City Paper. Enjoy. According to a 1901 article in the Baltimore Sun, Leo Taxel was raised in a religious family, but was disowned by his father after joining the Freemasons. Taxel would later be ousted from his Masonic Lodge, with some reports claiming he was found to have published a dead man's manuscript under his own name, while other sources say Taxel was kicked out for revealing the inner secrets of Freemasonry. After Pope Leo XIII condemned Freemasons in 1884, Taxel concocted a plan that would see him gain the trust of the church and publish increasingly outlandish claims against the Masons in order to reveal the Vatican's bias. Having spent much of his writing career lampooning the Bible, Taxel knew that endearing himself to the church would require more than a simple leap of faith. For weeks, the gifted con man reviewed missing person reports in newspapers before deciding upon a victim of sorts. Taxel then found a priest willing to listen. In a tearful confession, he admitted to murdering a man who had recently vanished. Now, Taxel told the priest, he was willing to give himself over to God for salvation. Taxel would later compare his conversion to that of Saul on the road to Damascus, struck by grace. With his foot in the door, Taxel set about the long process of dreaming up the elaborate, dark rituals that he would use to sully the Freemasons and play upon the church's prejudice. His patience would pay dividends. After two years, Taxel was received in Rome. Cardinals praised his works, revealing what many clergy inside the Vatican already suspected in regards to Freemasonry. Taxel even claimed to have been granted a 45-minute audience with the Pope. When the Pope asked me, my son, what do you wish? I answered, Holy Father, to die at your feet right now. This would be my greatest happiness. Smiling, Leo XIII deigned to tell me that my life was still very useful in the fight for faith, Taxel told the Paris audience during his great confession, which was printed verbatim in a French newspaper. Further elaborating on his visit with the Pope, Taxel said, then he touched upon the question of Freemasonry. He owned all my new works in his personal library. He had read them from one end to the other and insisted upon the satanic guidance of the sect. When it came to Diana Vaughn, Taxel had merely hired a female representative from an American typewriter company to transcribe his words, 
carry on correspondence with clergymen, and sit for an illustration to run alongside Diana's memoirs. For her troubles, the young woman received 150 francs a month. She was amazed to find out that in this century of progress, there are still people who believe seriously in all the nonsense of the Middle Ages, Taxel said. Charleston would come to serve as the headquarters of Taxel's fictitious sect of Satanic Freemasons due to the city's real-life setting as the birthplace of the Mother Supreme Council of the Ancient and Accepted Scottish Rite of Freemasonry. Taxel would focus much of his attention on former Confederate general and widely regarded Masonic leader Albert Pike, who he had labeled as the Luciferian Pope. When the Catholic Bishop of Charleston made an attempt to expressly assure the Vatican that the writings of Diana Vaughn were untrue, Taxel simply responded by claiming that the bishop himself was a Freemason, and thus in league with the devil. Although many had seen through Taxel's ploy before his big reveal, enough of the public and members of the church had bought into his lies to leave a lasting resentment. At the conclusion of Taxel's two-and-a-half-hour confession, he was chased from the building by an angry mob set on killing the man. But in the end, it was Taxel who gleefully accepted the nature of his crimes as he looked to end his epic charade once and for all. I had accused myself of an imaginary murder, he told the crowd. Well, I will admit to a further crime. I committed infanticide. Paladism is now dead for good. Its father just murdered it. But what Taxel didn't expect is that he had created a lie so detailed and vivid, so attractive to those hungry to explain their lot in life, that it would long outlive its author. Following his confession, multiple women claiming to be the real Diana Vaughn had surfaced, each accusing the others of fraud. According to a May 3, 1897 article in the Buffalo Courier, quote, the strangest thing about all of this is that in spite of Mr. Taxel's admissions that the whole thing is a fraud, there are certain religious journals which still piously believe all that he narrated and religious people who cross themselves whenever they speak of the horrible practices of the devil worshippers. In the April 1900 issue of Popular Science Monthly, an article titled A Survival of Medieval Credulity states that conspiracy theories still surrounded Taxel's public confession three years later. Some rumored that the Freemasons had kidnapped the real Leo Taxel and sent a lookalike in his place. Others believed that Taxel was paid off and the real Diana Vaughn was locked away in an asylum. A November 3, 1901 Baltimore Sun article on Taxel's declining health shares some of the conman's thoughts on the hoax he had perpetrated and his role in history. The public made me what I am, the arch-liar of the period. For when I was first commenced to write against the Masons, my object was amusement, pure and simple. The crimes I laid at their door were so grotesque, so impossible, so wildly exaggerated, I thought everybody would see the joke and give me credit for originating a new line of humor. But my readers wouldn't have it so. They accepted my fables as gospel truth. And the more I lied for the purpose of showing that I lied, the more convinced became they that I was the paragon of veracity. Then it dawned upon me that there was lots of money in being a Munchausen of the right kind, and for 12 years I gave it to them hot and strong, but never too hot.
Although Taxil is estimated to have made more than half a million francs through the hundreds of pamphlets and volumes he wrote on Diana Vaughn and Charleston's secret satanic cult, he is said to have died in relative obscurity in 1907 as the editor of a small food journal. While Taxil had disavowed the stories of influential Luciferians headquartered in South Carolina, they still percolate on the edges of modern discourse. Taxel's allegations regarding devil worship and hidden secret societies controlling global events remain popular themes among right-wing conspiracies, anti-Semitic propaganda, and would go on to help fuel the era of satanic panic in America that was to come. But just outside the French city of Avignon in 1913, six years after Taxel's death, the religious fears that he once stoked would claim a victim. A young girl, prone to fits, who was able to convince her father that she was possessed by the devil. She continued to make these claims until one night her family was finally left with no other option. They strapped her grandmother to a chair for attempting to interfere. Then her parents and siblings gathered around the young girl and clubbed her to death. Days passed, but the authorities never came. No one may have even learned of the young girl's demise if her brother and sister had not revealed their crime to a local priest proudly declaring to the preacher that they had driven away the devil from their home. We hope you enjoyed this second installment of The Devil You Know, a modern history of satanic panic in South Carolina. Please tune in for the next episode, where we'll follow the rise of satanic panic into the 1980s, touch base with author Grady Hendrix about growing up in the era of milk carton kids, and see how parental fears of devil worship were stoked over the decades in South Carolina. Thanks for listening.